Welcome, everyone, to Dead Talk Live. And tonight we have our guest, Peter Anthony, who is very, very well known for his Friday the 13th fan films. Peter, thank you for being our guest. How are you doing tonight? Can you hear me? Good. Thanks for having me on this uh, Friday evening. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. I can, we can hear and see you perfectly. So let's get right to it. Uh, fan films, uh, which is what you do, have been around for a long time. But with the blow up of technology and, of course, the Internet age, they have become a lot more prominent and available to viewers. So walk us through how did you first get started with making these films? Um, so the original film was Vengeance, which you had Jason Brooks on uh, the other day, mm -hmm. um, who was a producer and played the Jason in that. Uh, long story short, the, the, the big part of these fan films is the fundraising. So really the fans is, is connecting and tying in with the fan base so that you can get the proper funds to make the movie. And that's like you said, that's what took it from Johnny in his backyard with his phone to getting really nice equipment and trying to make a Hollywood style film uh, to, to the best of our ability, obviously. Um, so uh, they, 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 they had a fundraiser. They didn't raise what they wanted to. Um, they, I was kind of known in the community cause I always went to conventions and I was friends with a lot of the Jasons and, and Kane and so on and so forth. And they asked me if they think I could raise more funds. I said, yeah, we got to go about it this way. Had to talk with Jason Brooks. This is what we got to do. Here's the game plan. Here's how many people we have to have. And I think we raised $47,000 in like 61 days. Not bad. So that, yeah, so that was the beginning of Vengeance. And then we actually wanted Kane Hodder for a prisoner role. And he, he Kane doesn't do non-SAG films. So they actually gave me the role. Um, and then from then on, it just kind of took off from there. And then I just got more and more vested in more and more films and did more fundraisers, had a little bit more success and then decided to jump on my own with Rosebud. Now, let's talk about Rosebud. Okay, that is in post-production. Uh, how close is it to being released? We are adding score right now. So it releases November 29th at 8 p.m. on YouTube. We have a premiere physically in Connecticut on the 28th, but to the rest of the audience, the 29th. Nice. So when it came to Rosebud, would you say that so far has been the film that you were able to raise the most funds for? Up to yeah, the... we raised yeah we raised fifty two grand in a, in a uh, a forty five day fundraiser, and then we raised uh, around sixteen grand in a thirty day fundraiser after the movie was done. Nice. So we've raised uh, sixty eight thousand dollars, which is really good. So now you directing these films, you're starring in them as a fan film. You got to do, you got to wear a lot of different hats. Uh, what would you say, I mean, are some of the differences when you're working even on a low budget, but investor film, somebody that is uh, dumped, you know, 50 to a hundred, $150,000 to something that you had to raise the funds all by yourself. Walk us through some of the biggest differences uh, besides having to wear multiple hats. Uh, it, it's funny you say that because it's a little bit of both because I probably have 60 grand into the movie and Sean Lutis, who is the executive producer, might have 200 grand in the, in the movie. Okay. So it's kind of like a little bit of both. Okay. So do we have to add the extra funds? No. But like once you land Lar Park Lincoln and Terry Kaiser and Kevin Spiritus and you get the real costume from part seven, it's like, man, 
let's go all out, you know? So uh, it, it's a little bit of both. And, and, and the, it's a lot of pressure, man, because I'm such a huge fan. I mean, if you look behind me, these are all shadow boxes from all the different movies. That's part seven. Yeah. And I want to get it right. So it's like, you know what? I'm going to spend as much money as I can to get this one right. And a lot of people say, and this is uh, no joke, that fan films are a lot of times better than, you know, the movie production type films. Because, in my opinion, it's the passion that goes in behind it. Sorry. I, yes, I, I, I agree 1,000%. I think this is the real thing. And you know this with following movies as much as you do. Uh, there's one voice, which is me. Now, do I listen to everybody? Of course. I listen to my producers, I listen to my director of photography, I listen to Jason Brooks, I listen to everybody. But at the end, there's one voice. I think the thing that harps Hollywood is you have so many different voices. You have so many different people whose money's involved and producers and writers and directors and studios and everybody's trying to like put their own little spin on it. And when you're done putting 10 different spins, the story doesn't really make sense anymore. Exactly. And they don't really have balls to go places that these fan films will. So I think that that's where we have the advantage. And I agree. It's, it's a, thank you for saying that, because I think it is a passion thing that we, we, we got so much passion in it that even though it's not going to be a Hollywood film, the passion comes across on the screen to the fan. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when the film releases, you know, in this case, Roseblood, uh, but any fan film that you've made, what are your expectations as the creator, director, producer? Uh, what is it that you wish to gain the most? Is it just the entertaining the fans? Uh, how much of it is money-based? How is money made off of this film? No money's made, so it's illegal to make money. So um, when you have a fan film, there's a rule where every 30 minutes you can make 50 grand. You can raise $50,000 for every 15 to 30 minutes, I believe. Um, you cannot monetize on it. You have to release the movie on YouTube or social media okay. platform, and any profits that you make, you give the charity. So Rose Blood, uh, Vengeance 1, we gave $24,000, $27,000 to the Shriners Children's Hospital, and I gave my stepson, who's long, no longer with us, uh, he's with us in the world, just not with me, we gave uh, a couple thousand dollars to his college fund. That was the, uh, the charity for this one. Very, very nice. So for you, it's not money at all. It's just the the love for the Friday the 13th in this case, and the love of filmmaking. 100 million. I mean, I'm losing money every time I do one of these. But to me, it's not losing it because it's my dream. You know, I mean, even like if you can see back there, all the masks. Mm -hmm. We can see it. Yeah. So so um, it, it's just been a dream of mine forever to, to, to even be around the franchise. So then to make it, it's like I got to do it right. And And the goal, like you said, Man, that's a great question. Uh, I think it's just to satisfy the fans. Of course, you're going to get people pissed off. Hey, I hate half of the, the studio film, so <laughs> I get it. Some people aren't going to like it. But if I can if I can appease the fans, the fan base, and they say, hey, good job or way to try for it, and, and we all can enjoy the film for what it is, that's like what means something to me because I'm just a fan too. So Yeah. Now, when did your passion for Friday the 13th start? Was it as a young child? When did you really fall in love with this franchise? I was um, like six years old in, in, the, in my parents' basement making Friday the 13th masks. Uh, I remember back in the day, like the only thing that would play like those movies was HBO. I'm 45 years old. So HBO and then maybe like USA Up All Night, but it would take the kills out, remember? Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. 47. I'm just two years older yeah. than you. 
Yeah. So like HBO was like the only thing. And so HBO, we didn't have it in our rooms with my parents. So it was downstairs. So I'd have to sneak downstairs. And you know, like this generation's different. Um, horror is like sexy now. Yeah. We're like back when we were young, our parents didn't watch horror like that. It wasn't like cool to be like, you're almost a weirdo. Mm, yeah. So, 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 yeah. So, so to me, this, I was like five years old making little masks and sneaking downstairs and watching all the Jasons on HBO. So, man, I've literally been like a super fan for as long as I have a memory. So when you take like the 80s slasher films, of course you have Michael, Jason, Freddy, uh, I mean, obviously, Jason is, I would say, your favorite. Uh, where do the other two, like, big slashers stand in your heart? Like the Michael Myers and the Freddy Kruegers? Um, it's so weird because Freddy is, is the more intelligent one. Uh, I, I'm a former fighter, so I've, I've trained MMA and fought and, you know, mix in a whole bunch of street fights. So, like, I love the Michael and the Jason aspect, but I also love, like, the mental warfare of Freddy. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, you know, he, he can bring you in his realm and you can't do shit about it and he's going to talk shit to you. But I got to have I got to have Halloween uh, second, um, Jason, Friday 13th, Halloween and then uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. But I mean, if you think about scariest films ever, it's probably Halloween one and then Freddy one right after that. Yeah. Yeah. The original Nightmare on Elm Street was really Excuse- scary, was really yeah. scary. Uh, now, in the in the Friday the 13th franchise, you know, rate your top three films because God knows there's been plenty of them. Well, what would you say is your favorite? I'm going I'm to do my top three, but you're going to do your top three after that. How's that? Okay. All right. All right. Uh, number four is number one. It's right over here. Ted White, Adam signed the, the, the uh, knife, then number six, and then number seven. That's for me. For me, it's... We share the same number one, part four. I love the final chapter, which of course was not the final chapter. Then I would have to go with the original, uh, Friday the 13th. And then after that, it gets really hazy, but I really enjoyed part three. I like three right there too. Part three had some great kills and it was a 3D film too. Yeah, which was was groundbreaking. Remember how she's in the cot and she's reading the Fangoria? Yeah. I also remember that great kill scene. Oh, you see it? wow. That's awesome, man. You got a great collection. <laughs> yeah, like I said, uh, a super fan for sure. My favorite kill scene from part three, I forget the character's name, but when he squeezes his head and the eyeball comes flying right at you. Yeah, that was great. It's kind of cheesy when you look at it now, but it was still great then. It was yeah. great. It was great. Now, you're known for your mar- your marketing proudness, especially from the sales world. How did you combine your sales experience into marketing a film? Oh, man, you did your homework. <laughs> um, I do it all the time. So I'll speak with Jason Brooks and Sean, and, and, and I'll, I'll constantly like throw these sales analogies at them and stuff like that. So it's like... Everything's a visual world, right? So when you when you come up with these perks or these ideas, uh, somebody's on their phone. You, you, even though you think it looks good on your end, what are they doing? What are they seeing? So they're on their phone, either on the toilet or at work or in their car. And you you the visual thing has to grab them. The words have to be large. And like I said, what makes them reach into their pocket to give you money? Mm-hmm. If you can't figure that out on that post, then you didn't do a good job on that post. Yeah, you know, and, and not only what get their money, but what excites them, what makes them want to be part of the film. So that I've been in sales since I was eighteen, so twenty seven years. So I'm constantly in that mode. 
So I think it, it was beneficial for sure for me for, for marketing. And then the fact that I'm such a big fan with Friday 13th, you have my marketing with sales for prep for professionally. And then my love for the franchise, I think it was a, a good fit for me. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, obviously you've got all this sales experience. You're a horror fan, especially Friday the 13th. When did you decide to pick up a camera and start doing this? Man, I've never picked up a camera. <laughs> so I don't even know how to use the camera. So uh, even though I've learned now, um, when I was going to make the film, I was going to ask Riley Lorden to make it. He hosts a, a, a successful podcast, Slashing Cast, mm -hmm. and uh, he made Fall of Camp Blood. And I said, hey, man, why don't you direct this? And he's like, why don't you direct it? I'm like, I don't even know how to turn on a camera. I said, you don't need to turn on a camera to be a director. You just got to be well organized, have a passion and be able to put people together that are really good. I'm like, I can do that. So um, uh, Cody Newton, who's my director of photography, is the camera man. Um, Ryan Race, Riley Lord, and all them were the camera guys. Um, so I did learn a lot while, while on set. But before then, I didn't even know how to turn it on. But it, my success is only because of them. I say this a thousand times. It's not cliche. It's a 100%. I didn't know how to turn on a camera. Um, I got the best people that I – Jason Brooks as Jason. Jason Brooks as a prop guy. The Amos brothers did props on Voorhees. Like, I tried to get the best of everybody that I possibly could with the finances that I could to make the movie and let them shine. Don't oh, don't micromanage them. Let them shine. If you have to step in here and there, do it. But to me, that's what I did. Now, uh, obviously, I assume you've gone to conventions and you've met cast members throughout the movies. Uh, you said you've met Kane Hodder. Uh, have you had the pleasure of meeting C.J. Graham? C.J. Graham and me um, just Marco'd a couple months ago. We FaceTimed a couple months ago. C.J. Graham is on Vengeance. Nice, nice. So I'm in the movie with Vengeance. I'm friends with his wife, Ruby. Um, CJ likes to bust my balls because I used to be like a bodybuilder and uh, me and him will bust balls on Jason because Jason's taller than CJ, but CJ's bigger than Jason. <laughs> so it's a great thing. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty decent friends with CJ. He's a great guy, former military guy. We um, we get along great. It's it's weird, man. It's like some of these days I wake up and I'm like, look at my phone. It's like uh, Lar Park Lincoln called. I got to call CJ and this and that. I'm like, man, what? This is unbelievable for a kid who grew up like a huge fan. It's it's I got to pinch myself sometimes. Now, uh, Tuesday, this past Tuesday, I think you mentioned I had Deborah Voorhees on the show. She is the writer and director of a movie that's actually releasing today called Thirteen Fanboy, where right. uh, cast and characters from all the prior Friday the Thirteenth movies play themselves, and they are stalked by uh, somebody who cannot distinguish between fiction and movies and reality and sees them as the characters that they play in Friday the 13th. Um, it just came yes. out today, but are you planning on watching this, uh, watching that film? I've been on um, podcasts since 7 p.m. It's 9.53 where I am. But yeah, I definitely am because Laura Park Lincoln, who plays in Artina, is in that movie. Yeah. And I where earlier she said the movie was great and all my friend ken slate who's another gentleman who's in our movies um he's he's in it and uh so once i get done i finally get a breath i'm definitely want to watch it i think it's on hulu yeah and uh i i we're i'm in you know with the help of deborah we're trying to assemble 
a, a Halloween special with the entire cast on here. So I'm really looking forward to that. Now, uh, you have mentioned in the past, uh, I've read this, that how important color is to you when you're making your films. Uh, why don't you describe that to me? I've spoken to many different filmmakers, and they all have their thing, whether it's sound, body movement. For you, it seems to be color. So how do you use color to represent what you want in a film? Great question. Thanks for asking. Um, well, first of all, we had a, you know the budget. We built a, a building within a month. So we could not really stock the building with fixtures and lights and lamps and, and drapes and stuff like we wanted to. You'll see a lot of that in Vengeance, too. Um, in ours, it's a lot of white walls. And the reason why we did that is because we shot an entire feature film in eight days. So the walls, all the pictures are interchangeable. All the signs are interchangeable. All the doors are interchangeable. We actually paint rooms while we're moving to other rooms for shots later. So to me, I needed the environment, since it was so bland, to tell its own story in its own way without you really realizing it. And I, and I go back to Star Wars with that, mm -hmm. uh, where Star Wars 1 was very, very sandy color, you know, and Star Wars 2 was the snow white, and Star Wars 3 was the Endor forest. It was green. So I'm like, I, I need people to subconsciously realize what's going on so they don't pay attention to how white the walls are and how much is not going on. So the military is all green. They're all in military. Uh, Tina, who's pure and special, is pink. Mm -hmm. And Rose, who's the new the new blood, the Rose blood, who you think is evil, but you don't really know, is red. Uh, the Duke is multicolored because he doesn't really fit in any aspect of any any of these things. He's his own person. He's a rebel, so he's multicolored. All the lab workers are white. They fit in with the building. They don't matter. They're just the pawns. And um, and 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 the fast team is all black because they're they're badasses. They're there to fight Jason with the red patch. So I, I wanted those symbolisms of color. Even if you don't notice it outwardly, you notice it subconsciously. Yeah, that's very true. Now, you also are a writer. Uh, do you write the screenplays for all your projects? This is the first. This is the first time I wrote or uh, a script and or a screenplay. And how do you feel, you know, now that it's done, about getting ready to premiere? How do you feel? What I mean, how do you feel about that experience of writing it? Well, I man, to tell you the truth, I was nervous. I didn't even know how to write. And like um I had to get um uh oh my god, final final draft. So that's what the a lot of the pros use, I guess, in Hollywood. I didn't know how to use it. So I got with Jason Brooks. I'm like, how do I? Because you gotta tab, tab, enter, do all this stuff specially. And um I did all that and then I would share the script with everybody. They would give their little ideas, but mostly they liked it. And then I sent it to Lar. This is documented on, on interviews. Lars said it's the best Friday Thirteenth continuation script she's ever seen. I'm like, what? Wow. I figure she was just saying that because she's on the movie, you know. But no, she liked it. Everybody seemed to like it. Um, I listened to when people gave me advice on it, so I feel good about it. But then again, you know, as much as you feel good about it, it's still you're a first time writer, so you're nervous. I mean, uh, Steven Spielberg, I'm sure, looks at his first script and hates it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, so, so as much as I think I like it, I'm sure. There's going to be a million things I don't like about it already. Just even I noticed a lot. I don't know if you've written in screenplay writing uh -huh. screenplay. is completely different. You know what you write and then what actually physically happens in the scene and where the camera is and what can happen. A lot of things change You're like oh, that doesn't work. So I learned a lot that way. So I feel I feel good with that only because the people around me said it was good. 
Um, so, so I'm excited. Uh, I'm nervous and excited at the same time. Now that you got the first writing project out of the way, is it something you want to continue exploring? Yeah, I've actually got approached uh, from a couple people about it. Um, I've actually, you're probably, the, you're going to be the first per person to hear this, but we got approached on, a, on Roseblood 2. So a lot of the cast members are really pushing me to write Roseblood 2. But now, man, I'm telling you, man, between me and you, it's like scary. It's like, well, how do I capture lightning in a bottle again? You know what I'm yeah, saying? It's like yeah. I want to retire with like a decent one instead of like ruining it on the second one. So we'll see. So you've had all the success uh, with fan films, and it begs the question, uh, are you interested in, I don't even know what the right word is, going pro is not appropriate. I mean, original you're already content. a pro. Are you interested? In original content? Yeah. Um, we're trying to figure out a way, if we do a, a Rosebud 2, um, we're trying to figure out a way to make it original content because 90% of the characters are mine. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and Tina and, and Nick um, can be changed. So we'll, we'll see. I've been approached on a couple different projects for original content. I just got to get this one out of the way. It's so much work, but, yeah. and then take a couple months off, you know, yeah, and get a breather and then go back in. But I, I would love it. I just love challenges, you know? Um, so I, we'll see. I'm, I'm not scared to fail. There's nobody that's successful that hasn't failed. No, you have to fail to learn. Exactly. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. Now, when you're making these movies, uh, besides the Friday, the 13th movies, what other, uh, movies, filmmakers, directors, do you draw inspiration from? Um, man, I love the Godfathers, you know, oh, man, I'm right there with you. Oh, man, except for three, obviously. Uh, no, uh, three, I got to say, it's been 31 years, and at first when it came out, I saw it in the theaters. I was disappointed as well. But, you know, time puts its place. It's it's obviously out of three, it's number three in the likability. But on its own, it's not such a bad movie. It just does, it doesn't, there's two things. One, uh, the, uh, Tom Negan should have been should have been in there. Yeah, you know, they, he he wanted. They said they paid um, Pacino five times more than him, and he said that's not fair. He's like, just yeah. give me two times more than me, or three times more than me, and I'll do the film. So he he always should have been like the rightful takeover or the second in charge for me. Yeah. Um, the movie just doesn't draw you in like one and two does. One and two, you feel like they're your family. Mm -hmm. You know, and then it's, I didn't like the whole he's falling in love, messing around with his cousin. That's like a big sin, big no, no. Yeah. That takes away from him. He put his own daughter in the film. I felt like, man, this franchise is too big. You really think that your daughter was the best actress available? Like, give me a break. Yeah. You know, so but one and two, I don't know if you can get more perfect of a film than, yeah. than one and two. I, I actually think two might be better than one. Me too. My son thinks one is slightly better than two. But I think two, I'm with you. I think two is uh, better than one. When you learn about all them and where they came from and how they, you know, they, they were robbing the rugs and they, they made the oil business. And yeah. uh, remember the, the scared, uh, the, the, the hotel owner, the landowner, yeah. he's like, oh, I'm sorry. He's trying to get out. He's all nervous. Oh, man. I, I thought that, that that was just perfect. So you know? The Godfather, and, and, I mean, it's not horror per se, but you, how do you draw, like, from you mentioned The Godfather, how do you draw inspiration from The Godfather and try to incorporate that into your films? So symbolism. So um, there's a lot of scenes in mind that there's symbolism. And when they speak of things, they speak of things um, 
in, in, in other aspects. So there's times in the movie where they're speaking about card games. They're playing card games. And when they're speaking on card games, they're talking about, well, she's the queen then, right? Mm-hmm. Aren't you her king? Like, that's not a line. But I, I basically try to take physical things that are happening in the scene and incorporate, incorporate them on, on a, a play on words. You know what I'm saying? So I try to symbolize when I can, if it fits the character with everything. Like, like there's a line where Tina talks to the Duke and says, you know, it's like, I'm just a lab rat and you're just providing the cheese. You don't care about me. You don't care. You don't care if the lab rat dies. And that's how I tried to make it seem like they're in a maze and a lab rat and the Duke is just watching over. And he, does he really care if she dies or not? Because the yeah. Duke in nine kind of is for himself. So there's a lot of times where I incorporate the verbiage to, to match symbolism of something else. Now, all your films are on YouTube. Is that act- is that correct? Well, this is the only film that's completely mine, but yeah, Fall Camp Blood comes out, which I star in and produced, and uh, Vengeance is on YouTube. What's the name of your t- YouTube channel? Um, man, you had to ask me, right? I think it's <laughs> the Peter Anthony. This is how much I'm prepared. Uh, I think- it's we can right look now. up Rose Blood, and uh, I'm sure it will show up. Uh, say that again? Peter Anthony Productions. Okay, awesome, awesome. Uh, so people can go check them out and see what you've got on there. I want to make sure that they that you get that plug. Now, when Thank it you. comes to Vengeance and now Roseblood, which has yet to be released, uh, which one are you more, more proud of? It's got to be Rosebud only because Vengeance, one I didn't write, Vengeance, one I didn't direct, or I didn't cast, I didn't do props, I didn't do any of that. I was, I'm so proud that I got that chance from jeremy brown the director and jason brooks mm-hmm. um but as far as like you know once you get the, to do your own and, and incorporate you know part seven is one of my favorite and get them all i'd be lying if i say i wasn't more proud of this one creating it from the ground up yeah now we as fans have been deprived of a friday the 13th movie because of legal battles that are still yeah. fighting their way out there was a development a couple of weeks ago where the writer got the rights back. Um, would you like? What would you like to see done with this franchise? Would you like to see a complete reboot or some kind of continuation? I think the continuation is impossible at this point, only mm-hmm. because I mean the 2009 was a reboot, right? Mm-hmm. And that's man, that's 12 years ago. So you're talking it's going to be 13, 14, 15 years before they re-go. So I think that would be kind of hard to continue at that point the other ones before that were some of the worst films part nine mm-hmm. part eight part ten so you really couldn't continue that part tens in the future i think you need to do a halloween where you just completely revamp it and tell it your own way for for three movies uh, i think that's the uh, man i would love for blumhouse to do it for sure what'd you think of the 2009 reboot um jason looked great Derek mears i've met him probably 10 times I thought he was great. I thought the look was great. I thought the story, I thought the campiness was good. Uh, just the story just didn't buy me. He doesn't take yeah. prisoners. It just, it didn't. And the characters are throwaways. Tell me, tell me one of the characters that you actually care about in that movie. Yeah, None of them. you're right. And they, they try to redo Jason and in his personality and who he is. And that just took away from right. it. I say it did, but he was, he was so good and so brutal. So oh, that part's yeah. great. Yeah, I say start with a clean slate and, you know, above all else, find a good story. You know, don't just make it all about the kills 
and Jason walking around with his machete, put together a good story. Start with that and then work your way up. And let's see uh, what they come to. Now, are there any pressures uh, that are different when doing a fan film as compared to something else? What pressures do you feel when you're putting together these films? Oh, man, I put a lot of pressure on myself. So um, we'll try to dissect it. As far as like making a quality product, you know, I'm const- I don't sleep. I'm constantly working on stuff. My entire room is is just stuff for perks and for fans. Um, every day I go to sleep, what can I get better at tomorrow? So this weekend, tomorrow, I'm handing out 180 posters, 180 magnets, and 180 flyers for the premiere at a Connecticut Horror Con uh, Festival f- film. Uh, like every day, I'm just, I feel like I have this um, father figure feeling for my cast and crew. And I just want them to do good. I want them to be proud of the effort that I put in. So I put a lot of pressure on myself with that, probably too much. Um, as far as the fans, there's always pressure. You got fans that are going to hate every single thing you do, some of it righteously and some of it unrighteously. Some of them's like, your film sucks. I could do one better, you know? Yeah. And you're like, well, then go then out do and it. do I don't it. Care. I'm not mad at you. Yeah, and I would I would support it, uh-huh. but that's always going to be there. Half the people believe in God, half don't. Half the people like one president, half hate him. Just the way the world is, exactly. You know, so you just got to kind of deal with that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. you feel the biggest responsibility is when it comes to your actors. You want to make sure you give them the best shot and opportunity. Uh, the cast and crew. Um, it's like, man, you made my dream come true, so I owe you. Um, and that's why I'm doing this premiere. I mean, most people do a movie premiere, but I'm doing a premiere and convention and I'm allowing all these fans to have their own tables to sell stuff from other movies like Terry Kaiser and large. You could sell stuff from any movie. You could promote any other movie. I'm paying local cosplayers. I'm paying a local wedding venue to do it. Um, I'm having uh, vendors there that are locally. I'm trying to give back to all them because, because without those fans giving that money, people get lose sight of that. I don't have my dream. So I never want to forget that. And this is how like, I can pay you back. Now, for you and your career, uh, when it comes to films, what would you like to see happen moving forward for you? For my next move? Yeah, your next move, your next career. Uh, do you want to be approached by uh, to do original content, to get, you know, several hundred thousand dollar budget and do a film? What What do you want? I've got some roles um, that I was uh, supposed to be in this year, but um, uh, without getting too deep in it, with some COVID protocols, I ended up backing out. But there's there's another Z dead end that I'll be in in California with Kane Hodder. That's an original content film. Um, and there's a few other ones that are coming up that are original content for me acting um, as original content film. So like I said, once Rosebud comes out, I really think I'll take a stab at that one original content, try to go to Amazon, see if we really can hit a home run and be successful with it and try to make some of the money back. Because if I don't do it with this kind of run that I'm on, I think I'll always kick myself. Yeah. So I think I'll try. Well, that's awesome. Anthony, uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on here and doing this interview and letting us know, because like I said at the beginning, fan films are a big thing and there are a lot of people I'm one of them. There are a lot of fan films that are better than stuff that you see that cost a million dollars. Okay. And for me, it's about the passion and you're obviously very passionate about what you you do. And it's what makes your movie so good. And I want to thank you 
for coming on here and sharing that passion and explaining it to me and my audience and all the people who are going to see this. Any final thoughts before we go? No, you're, you're going to give me your, your contact information because when the movie comes out, I'm going to send you posters and magnets and awesome. Blu-rays and signatures and everything, man. Awesome, awesome. Uh, thank, thank you, you to Peter. Thank you to our audience for tuning in tonight. Stay safe. Have a great weekend. Until next time, on behalf of Peter, Anthony, and myself, stay safe, stay walking. Good night, everybody.